0: Well, good morning, life fellowship. Turning your Bibles for the last time to Galatians. I can't believe after six months we're finishing our book study in the in the God or the letter of Galatians. And this has just been a great study. I don't know about you, but God always uses these things. This the study time I have to change my life, and uh, it's just a it's, it's uh it's sad to see this study go. But I hope that's made an impact on you in your life, and it gives me an opportunity to share with you what's coming up next week. So next week we're beginning our new series, and I believe I announced this uh, previously a few weeks back, but we're beginning a series on anxiety and joy. And we see that, you know, I don't know about you, but I hear the people that are struggling with anxiety just keep, you know, increasing day by day, week by week in my in in my sphere of influence, and and uh, the Bible speaks to that. And I want us to see what the word of God says about anxiety, what the word of God says about joy, and how we can live a life that reflects Jesus Christ, and and uh, so I hope that you will join us, and we'll also be doing some podcast episodes in between sermon series or between sermons on those Sundays, so that we'll be be digging deeper into this issue because I think there's there's more than I can fit into on a Sunday morning. So uh, I hope that you'll come out for that series. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I love getting handwritten notes. Like when someone gives me a handwritten note, it means more today because I think that you know we live in this this the society now where everything becomes so digital, all digital communication. I mean, email and texting. I don't know about you, but I was one of these guys that when texting came out uh, on phones, like, hey, you can text people messages on phones. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Anybody else think that? I just, I was like, I'm never, I'm going to call. If I want to talk to someone, I'll call them. Now, when someone calls me, I'm like, what's going on? Why didn't they text me? You know, and so so there's this the reality that we now live in with with digital communication, but when someone takes the time to write a handwritten note, it means more. It's like, wow, they they took out a piece of paper and a writing utensil and wrote something down. I mean, it just takes a little bit more effort than, than normally other things uh, that we do today with our, with our easy digital communication. And Paul is doing something like that here in this text. He is, he is, in verse 11, he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. He is, he is finishing, he is summarizing his, his message to this church by basically saying, hey, I, this last thing I'm gonna tell you is so important I'm going to use my own hand. Now, we don't know if he's saying I'm writing in large letters because we, there's, there's a couple of possibilities. One is, Paul, we know Paul had very poor eyesight. So maybe large letters was a reflection of he just couldn't see well. And so, as I, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I have to write bigger so I can see things. Maybe that was him. It could have been also that he, was, he had poor penmanship. He wasn't a scribe. We know that a lot of Paul's letters, uh, he had an amanuensis who was, a, who was like a scribe that would write down what Paul was saying. And so maybe maybe that was his poor handwriting. That could be it as well. But I believe why he's saying I'm writing this last section with large letters is because he's saying this is so important. You know, it, it, when you're a mom and dad, and you, or, or you have a message for your kids, you're leaving the home, and you've given them a lot of reminders, and you write down, don't forget to da 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 da, right? These these, these messages, and we write it on a piece of paper, we tape it so everyone can see it. That's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, I'm writing to you this final message so that you understand how important this final word I'm going to share with you is. And the word that Paul uses to describe this final idea is the word boast. Boast. Now again, Paul has been arguing this entire letter about the purity of the gospel, This this group of people has been coming in, sharing a false false gospel, false ideas, um, you know, error, lies about who Jesus is, about the nature of faith. And so he's finally writing them to saying, listen, you've got to keep the gospel pure. It's Christ alone, nothing else. It's not Jesus plus works, Jesus plus the law. It is Jesus by faith and grace alone that makes you saved. And so he's laying this argument down. And he's, he leaves this final message by saying, if you really get the gospel, if you understand what I'm about to share with you, all, this entire message I've left with you, you will boast in the gospel and not the flesh. If the gospel makes an impact on your life, that it becomes form, formative, it becomes the most significant thing in your life, then the only thing you'll be able to boast in is the gospel. And so so the main idea I want to leave you with this morning, the main idea that I believe that Paul is saying is, you may believe in the gospel, but do you boast in the gospel? You may believe in 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 the reality of the facts of the gospel, that God created the world, but mankind has fallen. We've sinned and rebelled against God and His ways. Therefore, we are in need of a Savior because of our sin. And that's why God sent Jesus. It's God in flesh to live the life that we could not live, live righteously, perfectly righteous so that he could earn eternal life from God, the Father. And yet with his righteousness, he did not take that for himself, but instead he went to the cross for you and for me to bear the weight and the punishment and the penalty for your and my sins and the sins of the world so that we, he might take away our punishment and give to us our right, his righteousness. And when he rose from the sin, rose from the grave and conquered sin and death, he achieved that victory in that redemption for us. And if we want that, we have to place our faith and trust in Christ, not my works, but in Jesus alone. That is the gospel. And that gospel is going to keep coming under attack. In every generation, in every church, never be surprised when when the attacks to the gospel come within the church and from out the church because it's always going to happen. That's why this letter of Galatians is so important for us. And so what Paul's saying is if you get that message, if you get the message of the gospel, then that becomes the center or the focus of your life. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot every single week when we leave here, we talk about living a God-centered life, that we are orbiting our life around God and what Paul's saying is when the when the gospel becomes central you know when Jesus when Jesus gave his teaching in the, when he's finishing his teaching in the mount on, on the sermon on the mount he said if you obey my laws or you obey my teaching you will be on firm foundation a rock but if you disregard this and live life according to what you want you will live build your life on shifting sand and that's what Paul's saying Paul's saying the rock the foundation of our lives has to be the gospel. It has to be Jesus. And yeah, you might believe in Jesus this morning, but is he the thing that drives you to boast? Now, when you think about that word boast, that is so easy for us, isn't it? I mean, we are hardwired to boast. And I, I I think it's actually gotten worse with the advent of social media. I don't know about you, but it gives everyone this opportunity to say, hey, look how great my life is. And so many different ways and so many different opportunities. And so I think boasting now has become a cultural norm. We are just out there putting ourselves, our, our, our lives out for all to see so that we will receive something from someone else. Praise, adulation, acceptance. And when I think about boast or what a boast is, there's really three components to a boast. And the three components are this. You have the achievement. You have the audience. And you have the reward. You have the achievement. You have the audience. You have the reward. When I was a kid and I would come home from school and I'd have my report card. Now, this is back in the day when, again, they gave you paper report cards. And I know everything's digital now. You get to log in and see everything. But, you know, it, when I was young, it was like paper report card. and I had an envelope that my parents had to sign to make sure they saw it. And, uh, but but I, would, I would come home and I would always find a way to boast in what? my grades, my A's. I would boast in my A's. Hey, look at how many A's I got this quarter. And so that was the achievement. The audience, who was the audience? It was my mom and dad. I wanted them to be like, oh, yay, Ben, you did so good. What was the reward? The reward was I got a dollar for every A. And not only that, I got if you could take your report card into this place called Top Dog. Now, Top Dog was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it was like one of those 80s arcades where, like, there's I mean it was huge, and there's arcade games all around. And uh, but they had 39 cent hot dogs, 39 cent hamburgers, and 39 cent fries. And so as a kid, you could you could eat pretty well for a buck. It was pretty awesome. And and then, but they would give you a free token for every A. So it was like, mom and dad, give me a dollar. Top dog gives me tokens. I'm like, hey, I want every. I'm gonna boast in my A's, right? That's who I when I was when I was in fifth grade. That was that was it for me. But that's not just when we're kids. As we get older, we still boast. We boast all the time. I mentioned social media, but even in your work environment, you might be thinking, you know, you're around people that are saying, hey, look at how well I did in this project. Look how I did with this group of people. Uh, you know, managing these, this group of people. Why do people boast in the workplace? Why? Well, what's the achievement? I did something really good. What's the audience? My boss or my peers to make sure that they think I'm really important. And what's the reward? Higher pay. You see, you see there's, there's, there's the audience, there's the achievement, and there's a reward to every single boast. And so when we think about what Paul is saying here, you can either boast in the flesh or you can boast in the cross. I want us to look and see these three components that Paul's mentioning here because here's what you and I have the opportunity to do. We can either be people that will boast in ourselves or we will boast in the cross. We will boast in the gospel. Those are the two options because you, can't, you cannot straddle that fence. If you really understand the gospel, you will boast in the gospel. So let's look at what Paul says there starting in verse 12 and 13. He talks about these Judaizers again in his final arguments. He says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. That word good showing literally means to put on a good face. It's, it was a term they used in the, in back in those days where it was uh, uh, to, to impress your neighbors. If you want to do something to impress people around you, this is the term they use. And this is what he's saying. These Judaizers put on a good face. Hey, look at how, I can, look how good I am. Look how great I am. Now, parents or adults, we have the superpower that when, uh, I I remember seeing this as a child and I can do it now, but when you're yelling at your kids and you're losing it and your phone rings, we have the superpower to, you know, ah, hello, right? What are we doing in that moment? I'm yelling, I'm screaming, and I've got this ability to shut it down, and now I've got a Good, I, I smile, hello, pleasant voice. I'm in the control. That's what this word means. My my life over here is a mess, but I'm gonna let you think that I'm really got it all together. That's what that's what Paul's saying. They, they put on a good showing, make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only and only and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. He's saying, listen, these people that claim they, they keep the law, who, who kept the law perfectly? It was Jesus. They, they're, not, they're not helping you keep the law at all because that was done perfectly through Jesus Christ. And so they're not even doing it. That's what Paul's saying there. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. These people are saying we, their boasting came from their own personal achievement that they were able to go into this church and they say, hey, we got all these people to become like us. We got converts to become more like, you know, circumcised. And it was, so what was the achievement? The achievement was they wanted to show that that they were more spiritually higher than anybody else. Now, I want you to see that the Bible talks about achievement and human achievement a lot. What, what are the things that we boast in? Now, there's a lot of things we can boast in, but the Bible makes clear a number of things that we are... I'm going to have a list on, on the screen for you to see this. The first and the, and the most important one is religious accomplishment. Religious accomplishment. Or good works. That is the easiest thing, even in a religious environment. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about, hey, look at all the good things I've done. And even people who don't aren't a part of the church, right? If they live it by another uh, a set of values or ethics, you know, I am super woke or I'm super anti-woke, right? There's there's a certain list that we are keeping that we want everyone to know this is who I am. But it's easy for us, that's what these people are doing: is saying, look at how well. We are accomplishing religious things. Look at my life. Jesus shared a great parable in Luke 18. We talked about two men that went up to the temple to worship. He said one was a Pharisee, and he looked up to heaven, and he he did one of these humble brags. You know what a humble brag is? A humble brag is when you you say something in a way that that really, it's like, I'm I'm not that great, but I'm really great. And, And the humble brag of this Pharisee was like, God, I thank you. That you have not made me like these losers over here. That's the humble brag. Okay, God, I'm praising you that I'm so great. I, and, he, and he goes on this long list of things that he has done, he has accomplished. And then it says, But the, but the tax collector bows his head, beats his chest, and says, Be merciful upon me, O Lord. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, "Those two men leaving that day, the the, fair, or the, the tax collector went away justified." And, and one of the things the Bible makes very clear it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse thirty-one: that no one can boast in God's presence. That when we are tempted to say, "Look at how great I am," then all we've got to do is look at Jesus. Now, I, I thought about there's there's a great illustration that. Um, we used to do when we were presenting the gospel to people who weren't uh, part of the church and to let people know like they're sinners. And a lot of people don't think that they're bad people. They think, well, I'm a pretty good person. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to weigh out my good works and my bad works. And so we would always do this little math experiment with them and say, okay, let's just say you're a really good person. And a really good person, let's just say you you barely do anything, bad things at all. But you, uh, you know, and we'll start at age five. We won't count anything before age five. But let's just say you... uh, you do about three sins a day. That's a pretty good person. You don't, you know, thinking something negatively or saying something negatively or doing something bad against God's law. Like three, just that's it, three sins a day. would you say it's pretty good? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, well, you multiply it three sins a day. You're looking at over a thousand sins in a year. And if you live up until you're 75, maybe even 80, you, you are going to heaven with seventy to 75,000 plus wicked, sinful acts. You see, it's easy for us to look at our, our little crumbs of righteousness and say, oh yeah, look at all these things. But when we compare it to our unrighteousness, and you compare it to the righteousness and the holiness of God, we have nothing to boast in. We cannot boast in our good works. We can't boast in our future plans. It says that in Proverbs 27, our, there's a great passage of scripture, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. It says, Don't let the man, don't let anyone boast in their wisdom, don't let any man boast in their strength. Don't let any man boast in their riches. But if but he who boasts boasts in this, that they know and they understand the Lord. They're going to boast in anything. And those are easy things to boast in. And these things aren't bad, right? I mean, wisdom isn't bad. It's not bad to be smart. It's not bad to have understanding. But we can, t- here's what we have to realize as human beings. As sinners, we will take anything good and twist it and turn it into something that you can look at me and say, wow, you are awesome. I mean, think, how many times have you boasted and bragged that I've got the best theology? According to these other losers over here, right? Well, I, look, at how, look at what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. And again, some of you in this room, if, if you were to say, look at the, let's just make a list of achievements that you have done. Some of you would have some pretty impressive things. If we put them on the board here and say, there's someone in this room that accomplished these things. Some of you would be like, wow, this is really great. But we have nothing to boast in. Because when you compare our, what we have done to God, there's nothing that we can boast. in. Even the last two things, riches and beauty, you don't even have to say anything. But we can boast in the thing, how we carry ourselves, the things that we do, the things that, how we use our money to flaunt our, ourselves or what we have in a way that says people, I want you to look at me. Boasting doesn't have to be verbal. It can be something just how we carry ourselves. And here's the other thing. It's sometimes even, it's not what we say, it's why we're saying it. This boasting in the flesh is one of the trickiest things in our lives that we have to look inwardly and say, How am I doing this? And so we're always gonna be tempted to, to boast in our achievements. So let's look at the next one, and that's our audience. Who's the audience? Well, the audience is gonna be other people. That, that audience could be your, you know, a singular person, it could be your spouse, it could be a parent. It could be, you know, someone else important in your life that you're wanting their attention or their eyes to see you and say, wow, you are worthy. And so this idea of boasting is this desire that we are constantly trying to get the praise and adoration that God deserves. But we, there's always an audience. There's always someone that we're trying to impress. It could be a group of people. It could be your work environment. It could be your neighbors. It could be your family. It doesn't matter what it is. But there's an audience that you want people to look at you and say, "Yeah, great job. You are just a special person." It could be for the digital world out there, on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I don't know. I, don't, I can't keep up with all of them now. But the, the digital world, the digital audience of the likes. The 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 emojis, whatever we're giving, but there's there there's actually uh, they created social media, and this is true. There's been books written on this, on how it rewires our brain. That the moment you get a like, the moment you get something positive digitally on anything you post, there's a little dopamine hit in your brain that says, "Ooh, I like that." And what happens is we if we allow ourselves to immerse ourselves in that world we will live for the likes. We will will boast in of ourselves over and over again. Why? Because we want someone to tell us who we are. We We will get that feeling over and over again for the praise and the adoration. And we've got to be very careful. Who is our audience when we boast? Who are you trying to impress? And lastly, there's a reward. There's a reward. There's three rewards that we can get from people. The first one is approval. We can get approval. Uh, Paul says right there in, at the end of verse 12, you know, they do this. They boast in the flesh. They boast in your flesh. They, they've circumcised you only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They don't want to be an outsider. They don't want to be looked at as someone who's weird. They want the attention themselves, all right? And then you have value the idea that you are valuable. The more that you are liked, the more that you are approved of, there's more value to you. And then identity, that this is who I am. I am my achievements. I am my job. Listen, if you put your identity in something that can be taken away, whether it's your career, whether it's your family, whether it's your personal achievements, whether it's your beauty, whatever you put, I am no, this is the most core fundamental thing about me and my life. If it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are at risk for getting that taken away from you, and you will have a personal crisis when that happens. But these are things, the value, the approval, the identity. When when the audience is other people, we are receiving something from them that here's the reality that can be taken away in an instant. All it takes, you know this, because we live in a canceled culture, all it takes is for you to say or someone to say and do the wrong thing. And what happens? You get canceled. You get canceled. And so when we live for the audience, when we live for other people's approval, whether that's, you know, it could be good people. It could be your parents. It could be someone. It doesn't mean they have to be evil, wicked people, but it's, if it's not God, it's going to leave you feeling empty. It's not going to lead to, to the praise and the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And so when we're confronted with this, we've got to ask ourselves, how, what am I looking for? What is the thing I'm seeking to receive from these other people that only God can give me? Because when we, see, when we boast in the flesh, when we boast in ourselves, what we are doing is we are placing ourselves and saying, I deserve to receive glory I deserve to receive worship, and I'm taking that away from God. That is the dangerous thing to happen in our lives. And so what does Paul say? He, he switches in verse 14 because he says you can either be like that. You can boast in the flesh or you can boast in the cross. Look what he says in verse 14 and 15. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. What is Paul saying? The only thing I'm going to boast in, the only thing that I can point to and say, this is what matters to me in my life, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Now that might sound really good in a church environment. You're coming in here, we live in the Bible Belt, we're in church on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, and there's something about saying, we should boast in the cross, and all of us say, amen, Ben, that sounds really good. Let's boast in the cross, but let's transport ourselves 2,000 years in the the past, and let's think about Paul when he's writing this to an audience in Galatia, in Asia Minor, and he's saying, the only thing I'm going to boast in is the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That would sound really weird. You know why? Because crucifixion and because the cross was such a shameful thing in their culture. If you or someone else... Uh, had a you know had a relative or a friend that was crucified, you would not even mention it publicly. You would not share that publicly. And what what the Christian faith is saying is our Savior, our Lord, our King went to a cross and was crucified. And now they're preaching it and they're bragging about it. It would be like now, now there's there's two counties that have something really not much in common, but Roberts County, Texas and San Francisco County, California. Do you know what those two counties have in common? Virtually nothing. But Roberts County uh, in Texas was the highest concentration, percentage-wise, of votes for Donald Trump and the 2020 election. Not a shocker. I don't know where Roberts County, Texas is, but I'm sure it's rural. And then there's San Francisco County, California. The deepest blue of the bluest state, which their county is known as as one of the highest population counties that voted overwhelmingly for Biden. Both of these counties, like 90 plus percent, okay? So so knowing that reality, it would be like, this is what Paul's saying, you flying into San Francisco with your MAGA hat and a Trump shirt, and you just walking through downtown San Francisco, what do you think is going to happen to you? I mean, you'll get in some conversations, and you'll have some things said to you. And likewise, if you, if you wore a Biden, I've never seen a Biden hat or a Biden shirt, but if you wore a Biden hat or a Biden shirt and went to Roberts County, Texas, you would, get, you would have some conversations and things thrown at you as well, right? It's, it's, I'm in an environment that people, when they see that, it's like, oh my, oh, how dare you? Paul is saying, that's what I'm going to boast in. I'm going to boast in that. I'm going to boast in the cross. Something that is shameful, that is the thing. Why, why, and why would Paul say that? Why would he boast in something that is so socially repugnant in their culture? Why would he say that? Because Paul knows everything good about him. Everything good about him. What, what he has received from Jesus is so much greater than what people think about him. His, when you boast in the cross, what's the accomplishment? The accomplishment isn't what you have done, it's what Christ has done. It's what Jesus has done for you. It's about even, even us understanding the gospel is a work of the Holy Spirit. You even having the faith, it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that it's by grace you are saved through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Even your faith is a gift from God. Even your mind being unveiled, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and your heart softening, as it says in Ephesians 4, is a work of the Holy Spirit. No one can boast. We can boast in anything that we have good in our lives. Even your abilities, your gifts, your natural strengths, the things that you have accomplished, even the great things that you've accomplished that you said is apart from outside the Christian world. It's done because God's created you that way. And he's put people in your life to help hone those skills. Everything good, everything beautiful, everything great that we can say and say, look what I have done, has God's hand all over it. And if we get that, if we understand that, then we have no reason to stamp and say, look at me. What we need to say is, look at him. Everything good in my life, look at him. This accomplishment in my life, look at him. Nothing that we can say or do points back to me. It always points up to Jesus. That's what it means to understand our accomplishment in in the gospel. Who's our audience? Well, God is our audience. God is the one that matters. We want him to receive the praise and honor and glory. Again, this word boast in the Greek means to to glory in, to seek glory. And so when people are seeking glory for themselves, boasting about their own accomplishments, what they're doing is is robbing God of the glory and worship that he deserves. And we have to ask ourselves, how many times do I take away the worship of my Savior so that people will look at me? That That is a scary place to be as a follower of Jesus. We need to constantly letting him be the audience. We want to keep pointing people to him. Everything good in my life, no matter it's in my work environment, in my family life, in my spiritual walk. I mean, when we're filling out that survey, you know, maybe you were tempted when you're like, how many times did you pray this week? You're like, oh, I prayed every day this week. And so you hold out your phone a little bit longer and hit every day so everyone can kind of see like every, I'm, not just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't do that. But, but there's something in us. Even taking the survey this morning, if you did really well in some of these things, you're like, ooh, I did pretty good on that one, right? Everything good in our life, everything spiritual in your life is a work of God in your life. So give him the praise and boast in him. And what's our reward? Well, our reward is grace or is peace and mercy Look what it says in verse 16. And for and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. He's saying the true Israel is not those who obey the Mosaic law. The true Israel is the Israel that follows Jesus. That's the true people of God. And he uses this word, this who walk by this rule. It's, it's the Greek word canon. It's where we get the word can, the, the can, maybe you've heard this term, the canon of scripture. Well, Canon simply means a measuring line. It, it's, it means there's a straight line that it meets the measurement. It fits the measurement. And uh, if you ever build anything, I'm not a huge builder, but I know some basic carpenter skills. My dad taught me how to frame walls. And so if I'm ever building something, I'll go to Lowe's and I'll get a two by four and I'll look down it to see... Is it straight? I don't want to use a two by four that's bending this way or bending that way or bowed. I want to look at it to see how straight is that two by four. And so when you have a straight line, you measuring something against that line is to say, does it meet the standard? Paul's saying is when you live your life according to this boasting in the gospel, according to the gospel, if the gospel is central to your life, if the gospel is the most important thing about your life, then guess what? You will have peace that approval, that value, that identity that we seek from other people to give to us that we can lose in a moment that we're scared to lose that oh, and, and how fear drives us to make sure that people are approving of us that my life looks a certain way that are, are this, is this group happy with me is this person happy with me am I living according and so I'm gonna let you know how well I'm doing at living according to your standards and your ways and so we're we're living in fear of man and what God is what the gospel does is it sets us free from that. It says it's free from the rat race of trying to please man. And it gives us a peace that says, no, my identity is secure in Christ. My value is secure in Christ because I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. My approval is is secure in Christ. That He loves me, the same love that Christ, that God the Father loves God the Son. When we when we by faith enter a relationship with Jesus, what God does is He brings us into that same love. So when God in in the baptism of Jesus at that in the Jordan River before Jesus healed anyone, said anything, taught anything, uh, cast out any demon before Jesus does His public ministry, God the Father says this. Is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's that kind of love. I don't have to earn or work for it because there's this relationship there. God, didn't, God the Father didn't say that you know, after Jesus proved himself, he says, no, this is my Son, And I'm well pleased in him. And when we are in Christ, you know what that means? And when you wake up every single day before your feet hit the ground, before you do or say anything, good or evil, you have the approval of God the Father on your life. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased because they're in Christ Jesus. The blood and the righteousness of Christ cover this person and you have my approval. Man, that sets us free That should set us free to live apart from what anybody can say or expect from us. The last thing it gives to us, this this peace and this mercy, is it gives us this communion. Look what he says in verse 17. And from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Something about Paul's life, what he had been through by making the gospel central to his life by boasting alone in the gospel saying, it's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus' crucifixion. I'm not going to make my life about anything but the gospel. He suffered the persecution. He suffered, you know, ostracization. He suffered ill will and and beatings and torture. What he went through. Why? Because his love for Jesus was so strong. And and what we get, what Paul's saying I get from that, when he says, I bear on my, my body the marks of Christ, what he's saying is, there's a communion. There's a, there's a fellowship that I have with Jesus when I suffer for him. So when I boast, I know when I... Listen, to go out in that world today, and for you to... It's, it's safe to boast in Jesus in here on Sunday morning. But to go out into your work environment, even to some of, some of your homes and your schools and your group of friends, and to boast only in the cross, it will cost you something. It may not cost you a beating, but it will cost you something in your life. And it's worth it though. It's worth it. Because the communion we now have with Christ, because of what Christ went through. You may believe the gospel, but do you boast in the gospel? Three questions, and then we're done this morning. The first question is this. What personal achievement are you tempted to boast in this morning? What's the personal achievement that you are always saying, hey, look at me for this? Is it grades? Is it your work? Is it, you know, how, what a great, you know, spouse you are? Is it your children? What is it? What are you saying? I want the world. I want this group. I want this audience to see this thing about me. What's the glory that you're tempted to rob and steal from God? That's number one. Number two, who is the audience that you're trying to please? Who's that person? Who's that group that drives you, that leads you to be afraid of their rejection? But if we're going to boast in Christ, we've got to twist our, our audience instead of trying to please people who can never fully approve of you into what God can give to you. He's the audience. And then number three, what reward are you looking for? Is it approval? Is it value? Is it identity? What's the, what is it that you're looking for? Because the reward that your soul longs for, only Jesus can give. He's the only one that can give it to you. No human being can give you what Jesus can give. And when we understand that, the only thing we will boast in is the cross.